Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, hostess with the mostest, matcha snob, and unapologetically bad at small talk. Seriously, tell me about your childhood. And I'm Joan Carnachon, queen of messy conversations, skincare junkie, and highly allergic to bullshit. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where together we will navigate the vital conversations that lift shame and shift paradigms. Our deepest desire is to normalize rewriting the narratives women have been taught about pleasure, money, power, sexual expression, and self-sovereignty. So join us each week for unfiltered, raw dialogue that educates, empowers, and hopefully entertains, or at the very least, makes the hard topics feel a little safer. And oh, by the way, when we say women, we are speaking to humans who identify with the divine feminine nature, non-binary royalty, our sacred sluts, the matriarch in the rising, and those of us who are still trying to figure their shit out. You guys know I love a good disclaimer, so here goes. We are not to be mistaken for doctors, lawyers, clinically trained psychologists, therapists, or your mother. But we are someone's mom. If you True. think this date is going well, subscribe to our show. And community means everything to us. So make sure to tell a friend or like all of your friends. Oh, oh man. <laughs> that was so good. It's so good. I feel like I had, you know, at least another two weeks of therapy in that session of just countless mirroring and then just the laughter yeah. and the joy and just the juiciness and the rawness of that conversation. You guys, we are just coming off of an incredible interview with the Lise Wilcox, who is an author. She is a TEDx speaker. She is a master coach. She coaches in conscious relationships. She coaches in success and in life. And the woman is a freaking gem. Like she has been through some shit. She has also gotten over to the other side and she just spews radiance and joy and insight like every freaking word out of her mouth. And we both like, we just got off and are, we're we both feel refreshed. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like I got a, like a shot in the arm of just inspiration. And <laughs> I don't know, like, I feel so deeply fulfilled by that conversation. I wish that every conversation I had could feel like that. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those, it's one of those conversations that I feel like, you know, you, you walk away and you just, are energized and you just want more of it. I, I agree with you. I feel like I got a shot of like a dopamine yeah. and serotonin yeah. and it made me feel like I can get through anything for the rest <laughs> of this week, maybe month, hopefully, but it was a really good one. And, you know, in the beginning we had a little bit of def uh, technical difficulties yes. coming into this yeah. conversation. So one of the things you guys like just hang on for a little bit because it gets a it. little, it's in the, in the, in the beginning, it's a little, mm, it's a little glitchy just because we've had just some situations, but yeah, it's totally worth it. It was golden, like solid gold. And I was paying attention the whole time and none of the, there's like a couple of connection, like connectivity issues, but none of them are more than a couple of seconds. And so like Joe was saying, like, literally you don't want to miss this conversation. Like yeah. it was totally worth it. I had, you know, told the girls in the beginning that, 
if I thought the connection issues were too bad that we would just reschedule. But once we started the flow, the, the content, like what she was sharing about, she's coming from such a, and we, we talk about this word, but she comes from such a deep, (laughs) authentic, vulnerable, honest, true, beautiful place. And I, like, I just have to preserve, we're preserving that conversation the best that we can. So I will make the tweaks that I can, um, but we're just appreciating grace this week as the audio quality will not be to the standard that we would like it to be. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say authentic. And the one word, as you were describing this conversation that came up to, or came up for me when you're describing her actually was she's just embodied in her wisdom Mm -hmm. because she's gone through it. She's literally gone through it. I mean, this woman has gone through a divorce, cancer, and she's helping women not only with her expertise as a coach, but her real life, real lived human experience as well. Like (sighs) the deepest, darkest, most gut-wrenching pain. Like she is using that to guide women out of the dark and back into the light. And she is not that kind of person. She's not that coach who's like, you just have to see the bright side. She's like, let me sit in the floor and order pizza and go through tissues and like be (laughs) in this dark shit with you. And then tomorrow we'll get up. I'll get up and I'll give you my hand and we'll, we'll go forward together. And that energy, she just brought that nurturing grounding, gorgeous energy to our conversation and to us. And I know that you guys are going to feel it. Like it's been a long time since I've, since I've just known without a doubt that you are going to be touched like through your headphones, like this, you're going to feel this energy so viscerally. And I'm so excited for you to get to experience what we just experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, So buckle up friends. Yeah. I don't think we need to say anything else. If you didn't know least before now, now you do. You're welcome. And go follow all of the links, connect with her on Instagram, on her beautiful new website that is premiering, uh, I think later this month, she said it's gotten a massive redo. So stay tuned for that. And um, just don't, don't look her up on clubhouse. That's that's something we learned. She does not like clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy friends. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> I feel like I've known you for years. We've been through. So much. We've been through so much already. <laughs> Welcome to to Nothing Confidential. We're so excited to have you here. We're honored to have a master. I want to call you mistress instead, but to have a, a mistress coach in our presence, life and business, success or business, but success. Thank you so much for being here. It really is my pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, Lise is a new friend that Joe introduced me to. And as we do with new friends, we jump online immediately and we go stalk them and we scroll (laughs) their gram and we go to their website and we check out YouTube and all the things. And I just kept finding things. So full disclosure, because Lisa is my new newest girl crush obsession, uh, I don't have as much information as I normally would. I just have lots of questions. I like wrote down things that I want to hear more about <laughs> as we're getting to know each other. But Joe, tell me, okay. you were drawn to Lisa and to her work, and you guys recently connected too. So tell me a little bit about your your cosmic connection. Yeah, I mean, I found Lisa's work through a couple friends that I follow on the internet on the gram who happen to live in Canada. Um, it was 
through Kenzie and through Sarah, through Sarah's work on Instagram. And I immediately just felt called to her work. There was a sense of peace and calm that I found myself that was reflected back to me as I was scrolling through Lisa's work. And as I started diving more, we started, you know, just chit-chatting through, um, we slid into each other's DMs and mm-hmm. somehow we both discovered that we're both in the Vita program. Which I recently hilarious. Okay. Oh, you did. <laughs> you know, things happen there. It's like Ferris Bueller. Like life happens pretty fast. We don't, we don't, I don't forget the line. Anyway, things happen very quickly. I quit the program, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so they're so not she's no longer my classmate. No. <laughs> Which is good because you didn't know she was there anyway. And now she really isn't. So, so, it's, all fine. it's perfect. It's perfect. It was like, it was never really the, the truth of what this whole purpose is for. <laughs> Thank God. Our wasn't built on that foundation. Yeah. 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 But no, there was just like something about, something about her words. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's how we all connect, right? Like there's something about the way we present our authenticity, our truth, our existence as humans. And it reflects the part of us that either isn't awake yet or is just rubbing its eyes to wake the fuck up. And that's what Lisa's work did for me. So similar to you, I've got questions, but really I just, I also just want to hear because every single time I dive into Lisa's work, I'm always like, I could listen to this woman speak (laughs) and I want her to be my mom. (laughs) <laughs> especially in this moment, just because the, the amount of wisdom, knowledge, and also just uh, honesty. Mm. Honesty is what I feel when I look at Lisa's Instagram and when I see her come on, come, come on like lives and Instagram stories. It's just, it's just honesty and I love it. It's so beautiful. Mm. Why wow. maybe Thank you very much. And I, I really, this week, I really needed to hear that reflected back. I don't know if it's a sleepy part or what, but it's like, it has been a really overwhelming week. And in the spirit of being honest, I've had a moment of like, what am I doing with my life? And I trust myself so much that to have that, that feeling is so terrifying that it's like, oh, right. You're doing it. You're just having a bad week. So thank you yes. so much. Oh my god! For and that, that isn't letting me see. It's like a human experience. That's just the human experience. You're like I actually, I'm gonna be fine. I'm just having a really shitty week. I, we, I feel like we say that all the time. We're like, we're actually not nuts, and we're actually, we actually do know what our purpose is, and we actually do. Like, we're not actually having an existential crisis. We're just, we didn't get enough sleep, like for the last time, and so it's all gonna be okay. Three last week. Like, is it possible that in the past six and a half days? There's been like a backlash from surgery. It's like, yes. Yeah. Life is not falling apart. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> healing. Yeah. Well, so along those lines, uh, what what are you doing with your life? Or let's start with like, what have you been doing with your life? Because there's been quite a lot. And I would love to hear whatever you feel in this moment is relevant. <laughs> so we'll leave that to you. And then we'll get into what you're currently doing. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Are you guys into human design? Yes. Totally. <laughs> so I had a human design reading maybe a couple of years ago. And the only thing, like literally the only thing I remember from that was the first 40 years of your life were really hard. The next 40 years are going to be really easy. Oh, thank God. I am 39 and three quarters. <laughs> I, I turned four in May and I'm like, all right, <laughs> three, four months to wrap this up. So I did, like I had a really challenging start and it was the kind of start that looked perfect from the outside. Our family looked perfect, you know, like upper middle class, respected members of the community. It looked like, a, are we swearing on this? Are we- oh yeah, oh yeah, please swear. <laughs> <laughs> 
And on the inside, it was such a nightmare. There was so much emotional and narcissistic psychological abuse that it really, it, it crushed me as a person, right? It, like it really was that soul crushing development. And I was always, always searching for family. I was always looking for a place to belong. Spoiler, a part of the human condition is to actually never belong anywhere mm -hmm. except to yourself, which as Maya Angelou would say, mm -hmm. means you literally belong everywhere. Because when you are your home and you are your place of belonging, doesn't matter where you go, who you're with, you're always with you, right? Which I think is really beautiful. But I struggled for a really long time with needing that sense of belonging. And in my 20s, I got into a, rela a relationship where I found that sense of belonging with his family. And that was unbelievable. I felt like this surrogate child. And we got married and we had kids and we bought houses and we renovated them and we did it so fast, right? Like we climbed a ladder, we checked all the boxes. And one day I was lying on the floor with my three little baby girls looking at this once again, perfect life I had created. And I had this like moment of like, what the hell am I doing? If this, if this beauty and this like seven bedroom house that I can see the lake from, like, if this isn't enough for me, when will this ever be enough for me? And I got that like download that was like, you, nothing will be enough for you until you are enough for you. And I went through that life-changing moment of like, oh shit, I know it needs to change. And that would be this marriage. And I can no longer, I have to call time of death and its relationship and be the one who's honest enough to call it what it is and leave it. And that began, that, that began this like cascade of events that not only, I say grow up because it like, it really did, it forced me to really grow up. And, and what I mean by that is go back and look at all the childhood stuff and come to a place of healing and show up differently and start undoing all the money shit and realizing I'm a pretty smart girl and probably capable of taking care of myself. And in the meantime, in doing that and in, in showing up with grace and compassion, which during a divorce is almost an impossible task, doing that, I created this incredible life for myself. And I started again and I'm raising my kids and, you know, I'm just, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to start a coaching practice to really embody all of the healing modalities that I found. And in doing so, I got breast cancer as this like curveball out of nowhere. I got breast cancer. To me, again, I was lying on the floor, one of those pinnacle moments. And I'm like, how the fuck? It's like raging, like, how am I going to do this? And that download came back and it was like, you're going to make this beautiful. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, I don't know how to have cancer. I don't know how to be single. I don't know how to solo parent, but I know how to make things beautiful. So if I just make all of that as beautiful as I can, the game changes. I wrote a best-selling book, which is basically a self-love manifesto my honesty about the experience of being in cancer, which was so much more an honest account of what does it mean to accept yourself? What does it mean to go bald and remove both of your breasts and to stay flat and to be like, I actually love who I am as I am. It was this wild return home to myself. And that really started to cement, I think my um, role as a, a leader, like a thought leader, a coaching leader. And from there, I have now shifted into really focusing on conscious relationship coaching. And for me, what that means is starting with the foundational notion that every relationship in your life is a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. So when we get really, really foundationally strong on that inner relationship, as if by magic, 
your business and work relationships improve, your friendships improve, your family dynamics improve, your parenting improves, and by all means, your intimate partnerships improve as well. I'm just going to hold that for a second because there is just so much just juicy life in that. And holy cow, you are just so incredible. Thank you for sharing all of that and pouring your heart out in this moment. Thank you. I'm already buzzing. I'm like... (laughs) I know my I skin's like feel it through my, I'm like prickly, my skin's like prickly. I'm getting my like cosmic connection buzz going on. Um, at least that's, that is so gorgeous. And you, the name of your best selling book, BT dubs, for those of you who are like poised, ready to go search it is to call myself beloved, a story of hope, healing mm. and coming home. Can you, I mean, it's a lot of it's right there, but the, the, choice of words is very, very intentional and very specific. Could you talk about how you decided to name the book that? So I can show you. She's got a tat. Look at (laughs) it. Beautiful. I think it was my second of the 23 that I currently have, but I was watching a movie and this poem came up on the screen and the poem is so brief. It's like four lines. It's an American poet. And to me, it reads like a woman at the end of her life having a conversation with God, like that quick recap of like, so how did it go? Right. And, and the poem is very simply, did you get what you wanted in this life? I did. And what was it that you wanted to call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. And I still, like, I still tear up and feel that because like, isn't that kind of what we all want to be able to call ourselves beloved and to feel ourselves beloved on this earth like talk Mm. about a success and an achievement right to really to really feel that embodied so for me that's where it came from this this moment of like okay so despite years and years and years of narcissistic abuse and literally every relationship or every kind of relationship you can have what a beautiful gift to arrive at that moment where it's like, oh, I'm actually good. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is okay. And right. And then for me, the transition into okay, cool. Now that I can call myself beloved, now what does it look like for me to feel beloved on this earth and to feel accepted and to feel belonging and to feel that, you know, I'm a person worthy of desiring and being in true union with another person, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, what does that feel like? Because for me, when I think about that, that makes me feel alive. It's the only word I can describe is when I think of myself as a beloved, when I think of myself as that sacred being, all I can think about is being alive in in every single part. And what does that feel like for you? To me, it feels um, very grounded and Mm. grounded feels like peace, Mm. right? It's that, you know, we we tend to live in that like really frenetic state and, you know, pop culture really supports that. Social media supports that, like peak moments, peak experiences, peak achievements. Like, what are you doing? And are you having fun? Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> dude, like, let, me just, let me just be there for a minute. And that, that internal feeling of like, this feels very quiet and good to me is what that, is what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's amazing. I'm thinking while you're talking, you, while we're always in process, you are advanced in the practices and tools that you are now using to help other women who were at your day one, you know, a couple of years ago, who were there now, like to get through that. 
So during, you mentioned the process of taking these horrific, tumultuous, like gut-wrenching things and making them beautiful. This is a very practical podcast. How, (laughs) how the fuck, like how do you make cancer, divorce from a narcissist, uh, just your life falling apart at the seams? Like, how did you make that beautiful to like walk us through some of the super fucking practical things that you did? So cancer is the most tangible experience of that. And it really was like the training ground. And very honestly, you know, I've been single, give or take a couple of, <laughs> a couple of brief trysts. I was not going to say moments. And I feel like I've been single for six years and, and that is really heavy. That's really heavy. And so it's, I'm, I'm still 100% going through that process of like, so six years later, honey, like, what does it look like to make this experience even more beautiful? You know, at the beginning of being single, it was like, I need new travel memories. I've never traveled by myself. So how do I recreate and like, to kind of take ownership of my experience as an individual in the world, not tied to anybody. And as I say, that's so layered for me, I'm still working on that. And I'm really, really honest about that. But with cancer, it became so practical, practical and tangible because at the outset, like what the hell is beautiful about cancer? There's like diseases and tumors rising up in your body that are screaming to be cut out. And it's like so graphic and gruesome. So for me, um, you know, I'm Canadian, which blessedly healthcare is funded, which is uh, like, it's just such a gift. So being able to show up at an appointment, you're still like, it's, paid for and you're still treated so much it's like you're stripped down to a wristband and I felt so gross about that like I felt so unseen and so unheld and so unsupported that for me it was like so how do we take all of this stuff and make it my own and make it beautiful well for me it meant like being in a blue gown for one of the hundreds of appointments I had to go to with this stupid wristband but bringing my latte and this little knitted coffee cozy that my daughter made for me wearing leopard print Jimmy shoes and like taking <laughs> photos of like, like very Grammy style photos, but it's totally not Instagrammable to be in a blue gown, right? And making right. Instagrammable, you know, <laughs> really consciously, really consciously and intentionally showing up being like, this is hard for me and I'm still going to make it the best experience. So I'm not going to act like a patient. I'm not going to act like a victim. I'm going to act like Lee's motherfucking Wilcox and <laughs> the way that feels good for me. And that affected every interaction. Suddenly I wasn't so sad or despondent. I was like joyful and lovely as is my, you know, hair flip nature. <laughs> my-, my hair flip nature. Like <laughs> and remarkably you know a couple of the nurses knew who I was from Instagram because I live in a small town that felt really magical I told them that I really wanted to use my months in chemotherapy as um the time to write my book because chemo is a really long process and now that I had all this time on my hands quote unquote I may as well use it so they would save the good chair for me with the best Mm. writing that threw rainbows out over my little table so I was like holy shit. Like I was getting VIP treatment because I asked for my needs to be met. When I was feeling unsure about something, I would communicate that and people would walk me through and they would just take a little extra time with me. And all of that felt so beautiful. 
something magical about God and the universe happened that anytime I had surgery, I was blessed with like the sexiest surgery. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I will be waking up to see you, sir. <laughs> I will come to the other side to see you. <laughs> I mean, tall and handsome, but I was mm. like, I don't care where I am. Like, and I don't care what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be in this moment. And, and you know, one more example because I am a parent of three. Um, I am single, as I mentioned a number of times now, you can read into that. Um, like, <laughs> we'll unpack that a second. <laughs> it's really, really important for me to remain full of grace and compassion and lead my children from a place of like deepness right, or of depth, right? And so what that looked like at home was to give them bite-sized pieces of information that they could understand and process one at a time as it affected their lives. I used to have like long, luscious, wavy blonde hair. And the thought of losing that was so painful that I was like, okay, how do we make that beautiful? We plan a party. And we had this little party with some of their friends, some of my friends. We had great snacks, an amazing playlist. I wore a leopard print kimono for my friend to shave my head so that even if it had been a disaster, it had a really beautiful memory associated with it. Chemo meds have terrifying names. I was in terror of these names because they sound scary. And so the girls and I, like <clears throat> I let them choose the, like the toiletry bag to keep all the meds in. And um, they chose like this rose gold pink bag. And then we took all of the meds and we labeled them with like a unicorn sticker or hearts or rainbows, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I made a chart that I didn't anymore have to realize that at 8.30 on Tuesday, pre-chemo, I had to take three like Detra, Texa, Hetha, Microsomes. I had to take three unicorn pills. And it was like, (laughs) (laughs) and so all of those, like just tweaks, you know, it's all the same shit of daily life, but just tweaking it to add a little more beauty gave it a different meaning, gave it more intention. And when, as you know, like the only time something means anything is when we assign it. Mm-hmm. That, so using that mindset trick, I was like, holy fucking shit. Cancer just became this beautiful experience at the end of which I had a book ready to publish. So it was like, mm. damn. That's like four clap emojis. It's like yeah. mother <laughs> fucking Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I mean, you know, I fell in love with you briefly when I first saw you. And now I'm like completely now mad. Now we're in deep. Now we're like, so where is this application to partner up with you? At least yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. We're like looking at each other. We're like, so. <laughs> Although I, I don't know what it says about us too, Joe. Every time we have someone on, we're like, so third co-host? Is that- <laughs> yeah, right. can, can it just be like seven of us Can we just have like a girl party? Sharing our life? Can we just have a pod? <laughs> I mean, that's what Clubhouse is for, right? <laughs> I guess yeah. Yeah. So tell us how you feel about Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. You fucking despise it. Okay. Um, I so something that came up like flagged when you were talking earlier as as you were uh debating on what to share your brief interludes with uh with romantic entanglement (laughs) over the years, over the last six years. Do you feel and it's cool if this is like past, present, current, etc. Do you feel like your, even the little runway that you gave that speech about like, this is still a process. Like I'm still doing this. Do you feel any kind of pressure based on the societal narrative that success after divorce looks like being in a couple? No, 
Okay. I actually don't feel that. That's for good. And I think, you know, I think this is a safe space to declare. Of course it is. <laughs> I genuinely believe I am on the twin flame journey, mm-hmm. which means for context, <laughs> this is so out there, but like, I believe that my soul had an arrangement to go and live this full life by splitting itself in two. And mm-hmm. I believe that this deep longing for partnership is not only the human experience, I genuinely believe my soul is like, where the fuck did I put this other other side? (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel incomplete as a person. I feel incredibly whole. I feel like there is another part of me somewhere that is coming back home to itself. And I think that's where the longing comes Mm -hmm. from. My, My social life changed explosively after divorce. I lost 99.9% of my friends. They remained friends with my ex and his current wife. Like they hang out. That is, that is a pain. I can't even put into words it's because sucks. you were the one to pull the ripcord, right? Well, yeah. So they got everybody. All the friendships, but I didn't, I, it's like wicked. I'm so happy. I could coordinate your lives for you. <laughs> How nice for you. Did you, did you audition your replacement as well before you left? Oh, or brutal. <laughs> so I don't feel, I felt this is all the pressure that like, oh my God, I don't get invited anymore. Right. And yeah. I think the dinner parties are like, oh, we can't invite her, even though she's the life of the party. We can't invite her because she's on her own and she might try to steal her husband. As I think the societal expectation, mm. it's not true, but it's like, that's what it feels like. I'm married and I still get that shit from people. I'm like, <laughs> I have my own husband, guys. Like, I don't need yours. <laughs> Thanks. It's, also, have dude, you heard his same. jokes? They're like, terrible. <laughs> like, he's safe. He's safe, boo. He's safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same when you're walking around you're like oh that girl's that girl's polyamorous oh cool let's hide the husband let's hide the partners also yeah. there's another female involved does she want to fuck them too and it's like no dude you're like i, I have basic impulse control guys like <laughs> that is not something i suffer from i know my mom is aging well but like everybody just relax like <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So, uh, but and it's, other than that, I don't feel uh, it's an internal thing for me. It's not a societal thing. I don't. I people talk about single shaming. I'm like, I I don't really think I experience that. For me, it's like a I have wanted a family long. I have wanted to raise children with uh, like a really incredible strong man for so long that it's like, are you fucking? this is not what I signed up for and I think that's where the pain comes from for me that it's just like it's not society it's definitely internal do you Mm. find that your it's so funny hearing you go ahead there was a delay sorry (laughs) Joe go there was a delay I started talking and I didn't realize you're talking (laughs) it's just so so funny like hearing all the things that you're saying and there's so much that's like that is literally coming up for me right now. So as I sit here, I am just processing and in awe because I hear so much of your story and you are like three steps ahead of me. And I'm like, holy fuck. (laughs) There's so many pieces of that, that I still have yet to discover. And you're saying it and it's, it's beautiful. And I'm, 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 I'm just putting I just wanted to like sticky note that and like pin that because for anybody listening and who might hear themselves in this words, it's, it's, it's a beautiful experience to have yourself witness before you even come to that version of yourself. I love how you just said that. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Kristen. Oh, I don't know what else. Now it's your turn. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. No, I, yeah, I think um, we're closer. I say we as if Joe's experience is also my experience. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I think we're still at the point where it's very hard uh, during a divorce to be like compassionate and loving and kind all the time. That Like there's a little eye rolling around that area. That's like energetically where things, it's very fresh. It's very, very fresh. Um, oh, and Joe, you were actually sharing with me just like earlier about how your first conversation, and this is what Joe and I do to each other. So with, with love and trust and consent, I'm going to walk you into this a little bit. Um, you were just sharing with me that when you first talked to Lise, you were mm. kind of like, oh, I had like some feelings kind of rumble around because mm. it felt like, you know, like I was, I had so much admiration for yeah. how far down this path she is. And I feel frustrated because I'm just at like the beginning of it. Like, yeah, about that a little yeah, bit. yeah. You know, when I, um, when I first discovered you and when we started talking on, uh, on our call, on our Zoom call, the first time I remember feeling like, fuck, like she's, she's where I'd like to be and I'm nowhere near there at the moment. And I feel like a million pieces on the floor right now. And it feels so far away. And I love, I, you know, I think, I think one of the, the things that I want to get out of this and, and what I want to hear, maybe, maybe if this comes out for you is just, what was that like? Like, what, what did you do to pick yourself up from those moments when you felt like you were on the ground and when everybody else around you, even though, you know, like everyone always like tells you, this is just temporary. This is the shit, like, this is the process. And it's not always going to feel that way, but fuck, like every day feels that way every other hour. And, and just like you, I was the one who made the decision to go. And I think that's that's, it's two thirds of women who make that call. So thanks Hollywood for fucking up the notion that like, oh no, men get tired and they leave. And I will just say like very briefly, because I think this needs to be said that if you are a woman who in a, in a heterosexual relationship and you unpartner, if he leaves you, it's obviously your fault because you weren't meeting his needs. And if you leave him, it's obviously your fault because you- Because you're selfish and you care more about your needs than him. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this is sweeping generalization with gender non-conforming binary. I I know that. And for the sake of ease, um, oh my God, if you're a woman in a relationship who no longer is in that relationship, you're fucked if you listen to what other people think of you. So it's like, take this moment to not listen to what other people are saying, which is a huge ask in itself. But yeah. There's, there's an expression that little by little one travels far, right? Mm. And I, I think that's what it is. And it's not sexy. It's not even really satisfying <laughs> to, to even say it out loud or to hear it. But I think back, you know, to answer your question really succinctly, I spent a lot of that time on the floor fucking crying. Yeah. Right. There's a picture of me on Instagram that ended up being very cute, but it was a very real moment of like, I was lying on the floor with a pizza on one side and a box of tissue on the other side and I was like fucking that's how I did it (laughs) (laughs) grammable moment carbs tissues which is like so funny because you know we we talked briefly about the whole idea of like performative authenticity right and how I feel you know for me I and people know this like they're just like god you live your life just as the same way that you present on the gram like everything about who you are, what you do is just like that. But there is so much out there that feels so fucking performative these days. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, what is authentic anymore? Yeah. What is real? Who Other is real? Authenticity, just like vulnerability. Yeah. Just Yeah, it's like yeah. super overused buzzword now that you're like, you're like, what else can I say? What else can I use for myself? You're like, I just 
like to talk straight. <laughs> I'm just fucking human. Pretty, though. Yeah. Just be human for a second. I'm a person. And, and that's just it that I think that, you know, incidentally at the time in the early days, I was working for a narcissist and I didn't know it yet. Then I just transitioned mm-hmm. from one to one to one. Like I was working for a narcissist and that was so distracting. And it also was giving me such a sense of purpose because I went from being a stay-at-home mom to like working in advertising. And there was so much good that came out of that relationship. Like, yes, technically he didn't pay me for an entire year of salary, but he also put me in the room with global CFOs and CEOs of ad agencies in downtown Toronto that it was like, oh, sweet pea, you know that imposter syndrome? And like, lack of self-worth and all that self-doubt you're feeling for 30 years today is the day we get over it because today you're running the meeting and it was like oh my god you know so that was such a distraction too and in the meantime i was so hell bent on i really believe we were going to have this conscious uncoupling i really really thought Mm -hmm. that to be true and i think i was so attached to that 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 not being an option wasn't an option for me so I remained so attached to that vision that I constantly, and I mean constantly, I'm, this is not hyperbole, I constantly acted from a place of a person who would be going through a conscious uncoupling. Mm. It was not well-received. It was not reciprocated. And I, I'm going to be really honest about that. And still for me, it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Okay. So that perfect storm of those things, I had a lot of sex with pretty random people that helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there were, and I, I don't do that anymore. And that's not a judgment thing. It was like, for me at the time, that was, that so that mm-hmm. and now it's like, that is so not helpful for the person I have become, but at the time it really helped. And so there, I think there was a litany of factors that went into it and overarchingly, you know, six years later, looking back, it's like, motherfucker time really is a great healer it's oh, like the time went by and it's like shit. <laughs> <laughs> time is not my best friend right now <laughs> you still have a lot of pizza and tissue time ahead of you oh shit which is totally which is, which is okay. one of those things so funny because i'm like march i'm gonna be eating clean and now i'm like i think i just no, need pizza and i think i'm gonna grub have some pizza to you in oakland <laughs> Please do. I love you. I can make it gluten-free so that we can try and you know, like get that in a little bit. Give me all or, the or did the carbs help? Yeah. Give me, so give me the, the gluten free gluten. Give me the free gluten. Okay. It's fine. Um, you talking about that though, Lise, gave me it kind of it prompted a, another question that I had for you, which working within this, working through, I should say, the lens of conscious relationship via your deepest connection to yourself. Yeah. We're in an interesting time where so often it feels like all of the ways in which we resource ourselves personally, and especially within a couple right now, a lot of those aren't even options. If you were to ask somebody typical, like how, like we're both sex and relationship coaches. And if people were pre pandemic, if people were to come and say, oh, things are feeling a little stale. We just want to, you know, reconnect, like get the spark back. Like, what do we do? It would all be like, oh, intentionality, baby. Like set aside a date night, do X, Y, and Z, do some, you know, do some things. And that stuff is not an option right now. And so from the lens of maybe your partner relationship kind of sucks right now. And you're just in a place of holding that with grace and compassion and acceptance. 
but you still need to be fulfilled and grounded. Like what can we all do right now to like tap into that love and even romance or intentionality with ourselves? Like how can we, what's something we can do right now to reconnect to us so that that doesn't all feel so alienating? Um, I think that's an excellent question. And I think it's painfully simple. Like it's so simple that it it's going to piss people off. So simple. No one thought of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's that return to joy. And, you know, we can say return to pleasure. I find that even saying return to pleasure is a trigger for people who are like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't even, I can't even think about pleasure right now. So it's like, what if we return to joy? And if that's too much, if that's too overwhelming, then what if we think back to when we were a kid and think of one specific moment when we totally felt happy and easeful and really joyful. And I can tell you for me, it's like that feeling of getting on my bike and going to my friend's house, going down a hill on my bike, going out for a Slurpee on my bike, going to camp and just walking through the woods. It's like, okay, getting a foundational sense of what brought me so much unadulterated, authentic TM joy. Like what brought me that level of pleasure in that moment? okay, how do I recreate that now? Well, I can't necessarily get on my bike and go to a friend's house, A, because it's fucking February in Canada, yeah. and B, <laughs> COVID. And frostbite <laughs> is not sexual. <laughs> okay, sexual. what if I go for a walk in the woods? What would that feel like? Not because it's exercise or because it's healthy, because it fucking feels great. What if I just go and get licorice from the corner store because it feels kind of playful for me to do that, right? Like, what are those little moments? In a couple, it's the same thing, I believe, but really resourcing yourself from, again, from that place of acceptance that like, holy shit, all the things that I know and rely on that aren't working, I'm now just going to accept that as truth because part of the work is being like, holy shit, I actually can't do anything about that. So instead of fighting it, changing your expectation to be like, that is the way that it is. So how can I work within that? Freedom is so relative, right? How do I work within these new confines on my freedom and create a different level of freedom for me and simplify it? For me, you know, I love music. I love music. And sometimes I get so tired of listening to Jonas Brothers that bring me to that I'm like, no more. <laughs> like, no more Jonas Brothers. So I learned how to play the guitar. I am not good at it. But it feels so good to be able to like play a Taylor Swift song and like kind of just strum along. It doesn't have any purpose. I'm not doing anything with it. It purely brings me fucking joy. And that is enough. And I think that radical oversimplification of joy and pleasure is an excellent foundation that you can then grow from, from there. Mm. That has me thinking about a couple weeks ago and it's we're in Chicago so it's not quite Canada but it's real it's fucking cold like, like Nashville you know which is where I was a decade before I moved here they're like oh my god snowmageddon and I'm like you had three inches of snow last night and I have 18 feet of snow piled Oof. up next to my building so it's yeah cool. I'm like <laughs> um it's all context right uh but you know, it was like a cold morning and I, you know, Mike is home on the weekend, my husband, and I have a one-year-old. So just survived a year of motherhood and I <laughs> work for myself and podcast and have a baby who talks and walks. And so it's like a it's really cool. intense right now. And so I was like, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to bundle my ass up and I'm going to walk to the hardware store and get a key made. Like I'll be back 
when I'm back. <laughs> like it was like a very <laughs> short, that task takes me maybe 15 minutes. And I just looked at him. I was like, I'm gonna go get a key. I'll be back later. And he's like, okay. And so I left and I, you know, got outside and it's that moment where you're like, I could literally do anything. Like, what am I going to do? It's like, you can't actually do anything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, bring it back down, Kristen. Like in this moment with the intense restrictions, what can I do? And so I was like, I can like put on my mask and I can walk into the coffee shop that is now open again, praise. I can get my macadamia nut milk latte and I can walk in the softly falling snow and listen to a podcast that has nothing to do with business and has nothing to do with emotional intelligence and how, you know, like it was literally, I forget. It's like something about freaking the Maxwell's. It's like a power. It's like, all, you know, all these conspiracies and like all this shit. And I was just, I mean, it's something I would not normally listen to. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And I turned it on and then I went a step further and I was like, I'm not even going to listen to it all one and a half times. Like I'm going to listen to it just like regular speed because I have the fucking time. And I walked around listening to a podcast at a normal pace until my coffee was gone. It wasn't a power walk for exercise. It wasn't a like how much mm -hmm. exercise slash information can I jam into this session, which is what I normally do. I'm like, can I get an hour long podcast and three miles squashed into 40 minutes? Like, can I do that? Oh, and agree. this, this was not <laughs> that. And when you were talking, I'm like, that filled me up so much, like just the quiet and just the being with myself and enjoying very simple, like growing up with zero money, but loving Gilmore girls. I'm like going and having a paper cup of coffee in your hand and walking around like that feels like such a massive luxury all the time. Yes. And yeah. so I, you know, and it's a $7 coffee and I was like, I, am gonna <laughs> I have arrived. Coffee. Yes. I have yeah. arrived. I can buy a $7 coffee whenever I want. Like I remember mm -hmm. telling Mike like five years ago, I was like, whenever I can just pull out my card without budgeting a $7 coffee, that's when I know that <laughs> things are going well. I do have slightly higher standards now, but like I've arrived y'all I've arrived. You got to set these, you got to set these steps. But that was such a, that was such a needed, like my soul needed that so much. And I felt mm -hmm. so Kristen, like in that moment, I was like, I am Absolutely. not Mike's wife. I am not yeah. James yeah. mom. I yeah. am not a coach. I'm just Kristen. Like I'm just yeah. wandering around being Kristen, doing shit that Kristen likes just because I like it. And it was fucking great. Okay. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy that we got to hear that. This is, this is a conversation that I have with literally every client that I have talking about. So who are you? Mm -hmm. Not who are you, the role you play to this person or that person, but who are you at your core? And that to me is that like return to your childlike self or the child that you wished you were supposed to be like, even though your parents fucked you up, like whatever the, wealth, it is. the wealthy single <laughs> child I was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, baby. <laughs> Sorry, six siblings. Love you. Yeah, all. right. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, who are you at your core? And I am so tired. And I, again, feel like this is safe to say this in this space. Of but I'm so tired of the fucking coaches who are showing up and they're like, just see the bright side. I'm like, no, no, you. Like, <laughs> fuck you and your whole entire family. Because, like, fuck <laughs> you. let's be very real. This is really hard. This yeah. is really hard. So to be able to strip it down and not see the bright side and not listen to a podcast for growth, though I can recommend several if you want, like not do that. Like Lisa's a podcast guy. <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> Who am I? And what makes me feel good? Yeah. And when you are able to trust yourself enough to not only identify what feels good, but then oh my God, to act on it and follow through. 
what we're talking about is joy and pleasure. What we're really talking about is cultivating deep self-trust and very deep love of self. And mm-hmm. we're talking about, sure, that's considered self-care. Cool. Like way to go capitalism for stealing and misappropriating self-care. Mm-hmm. We're talking about soul care. And you yeah. see that, right? It's like, no, my soul felt so nourished in this moment. It's like, bingo. That's what it's about. So that when all this fucking shit eventually ends, because it will, and yes, it'll look different. We don't know what that looks like yet. But when things lift a little bit more and we can return to the partnership we have, or Joe and I can create these beautiful new partners on our own, on our own independently. <laughs> now, what we've inadvertently done is cultivated that deep level of self-trust, self-love, self-acceptance, and resiliency in a way we've never experienced before. You think that changes maybe how you show up in your parenting and your business and your intimate partners, Mm. right? Mm. So true. It's making my eyes burn. (laughs) I mean, I love, I love the idea of soul care. I mean, even, even moments before this podcast, it was really funny because I was like, I'm going to feel like shit. My acupuncturist told me I'm going to feel like shit. She told me this treatment she's doing is going to make everything about me feel like shit purging everything and it's going to make me tired. And I was like, I got a pretty good night's sleep last night. What is the one simple thing that's going to make me feel alive, make me feel home? And I'm, and I like immediately got to my closet hanger, like my, my dress hangers. And I was like, I'm putting on my nightgown because I feel, I can feel my skin. I can feel the air against my skin. I can feel the weather. It's breathing. My body's breathing. It's the softness of everything. I'm going to put on makeup because I just want to play with it. And, you know, it's funny because me and Kristen talk about this all the time about how for years, you know, as a, as a trauma survivor, as somebody who's experienced sexual trauma and suicide attempt, like I've always had to armor up and be a strong woman. That was my identity for 37 years. And what's come out of me in my exploration of non-monogamy over the last two years was this side, the softer side that I never knew was present and I never knew was there. And I never knew I was able to access it because I kept her tucked away Mm -hmm. and I hid her away because everything about her was unsafe to the world because I was always in threat. And so I slipped this on and I was like, I feel like the woman that I'm supposed to be in this fucking thing. So I'm going to wear it. But it took two seconds Mm -hmm. to make me feel like I came home. Mm -hmm. And it's such a side of me that like, I mean, yeah, it's present. There's moments of it, glimmers of it here on Instagram. But even as like the go fit Joe identity, that woman is a strong woman who can overcome anything. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I know that person, but I want to see what's the other side of that person that has yet to be discovered or I'm discovering. That's so special, right? Like that is such a special moment with yourself. And I feel like you wrote the other day about being strong mm-hmm. and about not wanting to be strong. Like, I, and I was just thinking about this recently that it's like, you know, for my own branding, like my own business and brand, I had to pivot because I was like, I am so, I've overcome so much. I am so attached to my story of overcoming that I need to get the fuck away from this because I don't want to even be that person anymore. Mm. And sometimes we get cast 
into these roles of being very brave and being very strong. And then we're applauded for that. And people are like, you're so brave. You're so strong. You're so resilient. And you're like, I didn't ask for this. Like, what was I going to fucking do? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I, have a choice, but to show up and keep my fucking life. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, this, I feel like you guys must work with this all the time in your work, but when we're talking about masculine energy and feminine energy mm-hmm. it's like that masculine energy is so good and it's so protective and to be able to give that as a gift to ourselves and show up in that masculine energy no matter what it took like no matter what that came from what trauma that resulted from or unhealed trauma trauma that came from just because you can doesn't mean you should all the time right and i will tell you very openly as soon as that person arrives I fucking, I can't wait for the luxury of mm. falling apart. I can't fucking wait. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so important to be able to honor that part of like, I'm just going to put on my nightgown and be a girl mm-hmm. for a second. Right. And it's like, it takes so much effort to stand in this resilient truth. And it's so valuable. It's so valuable to be able to be that kind of person who can handle it. And at the same time, like four clap emoji over here too. Cause it's like, right. You're still allowed to honor that part of you that doesn't want to even be strong anymore and doesn't mm-hmm. even want to be brave and wants that luxury of being able to just fucking rely on mm-hmm. somebody else. I don't think that makes you weak. I think we have this like cultural narrative that like, oh, well, I'm an independent woman and I can do anything. Yes. You can. you can do anything, mm-hmm. including yeah. fall apart and throw a fucking pizza party yes. on your floor. You are allowed to do that. And circling back to you know, the, the performative authenticity piece where we get, especially on social media right now, we get celebrated for being authentic. And it's like, sometimes you need to protect your fucking energy and you don't have to be authentic all the time. You don't actually have to share everything all the time. And like, it's, it has been really empowering for a lot of people to, to use their voice, especially if they felt like they've been repressed for years and they weren't able to stand up for themselves and they weren't able to speak up for themselves. And it's so empowering to share your story and to put it out into the world and to do all of that. But then I think we get celebrated and we get applauded and we get kudos and gold stars for showing up and being authentic. And then it starts to come from a place of, oh, I have to show up. I have to be here. I have mm-hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. And that's when you start shooting all over yourself. And we're like, don't fucking do it unless it feels good. Mm-hmm. Unless it brings yeah. you joy. Like, does this spark joy for you? Like ever since, you know, God damn Marie Kondo, Kondo. ever since I was like, I fucking ask all the time. I'll be like, does this spark joy for you right now? Does this spark joy for me right now? I'll be like, it does not. Thank you. And good no, thank you. Like, that's gone. Yeah. Thank it. And let it go along. Sometimes I forget. Yeah. To make it. I have to go back later. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. It's already in the dumpster. But I just, I felt really called to just say that part too, or it's like, whether it is being strong or being vulnerable, it's like, you don't have, you don't owe anyone your vulnerability and you don't owe anybody your strength and you don't owe anybody any of that stuff. And it also just, you talking about putting on your nightgown, brought us back full circle to the very beginning where, you know, Lisa's wearing a shitty blue nightgown that she doesn't want to be wearing. So she put on some leopard print Jimmy shoes, you know, like the importance of shifting your state Mm -hmm. with, with women and, and a lot of the work that I've done. And especially with working with archetypes, adornment is such a big piece of calling on your priestess and your queen and all of these things, like putting on something that helps you shift your state. 
And I was actually just uh, laughing with a client <laughs> yesterday about this because she's sitting in front of me. She is God, like hand to heart, like the most kind, compassionate. Like she is on a journey of reclaiming her sovereignty, but it's really important to her that she doesn't go full bitch to do it. Like she, like some people find that empowering. I appreciate that personally, but she wants to do it like with softer edges. And so I am like holding her in that space. But I did tell her, I was like, I'm going to give you some home play right now that just came straight from on high. So, you know, take this seriously. I'm like, I am looking at you right now. And you are talking to me about showing up in this space with this person who historically has made you feel kind of small and, and unattached from your power. I'm like, I love you, but the collared shirts and the little cardigan you're wearing is not making me feel like you're a powerful woman. Like I'm feeling like we need to figure out what your power suit is and you need to step into your power suit before you go, you know, like, let's play with the energetics of that. And later she was like, thanks for being so brutally honest. <laughs> I was like, you know, I just love you. And this is something that I'm also doing. It's just, it doesn't matter why or where you're shifting to, but just the importance. I'm just being reminded of that in the thread that's kind of in this conversation, just doing what you can do, like taking those small, those small steps, little by little, you know, those little things like putting on a nightgown, putting on cuter shoes, putting on something with a little structure. So you feel like you can walk into that hard conversation. Like these are things we can, these are gifts that we can give ourselves and you don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to invest a ton of money. Like you don't have to do anything radical to shift your energy and your state and show up better for yourself. It's so subtle and it's so powerful. Should we pull a card? We should pull some cards. Okay. <laughs> and then can so I just the... tell you, can I just tell you a funny story? Listen, oh, I'm please. Please tell us a funny story. <laughs> in the floor with nothing confidential. I'm like, ooh, please, please, I'll tell please. us everything. Tell, especially if you haven't told anyone else, extra points. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> I have really been thinking recently about how like, I just miss adventures, you know, and I don't have a huge social circle in person. I have lots of people online. I have friends all over the U.S., but we don't really get to see each other, right? And still, it's like that sense of adventure has been taken away. I can't even think about driving to Wisconsin to see my girlfriend because, like, I can't do it. And so that sense of adventure has been so missing, and that's such a sense of joy for me, just to go out and drive somewhere and go get a milkshake or whatever it is, right? You get macadamia milk, lattes, you eat clean, I'm like... Oh, I could go to Shake Shack and get a milkshake. <laughs> anyway, that's outstanding. So I've really been thinking about what is playful. What does that look like in the confines of our own world? What does an adventure look like? So I go for surgery last week. Very, very minor, but I still had to have anesthesia. And in true form, I am blessed with like such a cute anesthesia. He steamy. Like, yeah. yeah. He looks like Noah Reed, who was oh, on yeah, cute. Yes. Like so cute. He's like this nice guy. His demeanor is so sweet and like masculine and lovely. And um, after the surgery, I'm talking to a friend of mine who works at the hospital. And I was like, I'm going to pursue this. I'm not going to chase him. I'm going to create this. It's like, how do I get to know this guy? And she's like, you could make a donation to our foundation. And when you do that, we, we give him like a card and it's like a big deal. And she's like, because he's new to our hospital, it's a really big deal because you know, you never forget your first. So we like <laughs> at this moment, like in this very moment, I have like, I gave him, gave him a copy of my book. Cause that like came up before we were doing anesthesia. We're so you know what you're getting into. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I like made a donation to the hospital, but I wrote my number in the book 
and handed that off. And I'm like, universe, do your worst. And to me, that was this play. It was like missing. I don't care if anything comes out of it. I really don't. But like the playfulness and the, out there. let's create this adventure. Let's create this moment of joy. I freaking love that. And that, you know, let's just hope that he's a little quicker than my husband. Cause I was trying to recreate some flirtiness a couple of weeks ago. I wrote my phone number on his coffee cup that I was bringing him and I wrote it and I was like, just like this coffee, you are like irresponsibly hot. Call me. And I put my finger on there <laughs> and I gave it, I thought, so I was like, I was trying to be cute, <laughs> like bring it back seven years together. Like, yeah. go. I gave him his coffee. He looks at it and he goes, does your cup say this too? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, it doesn't. And then he was like, like genuinely confused. And I was like, babe, I, I wrote that. I wrote that. And he's like, okay. Cause I was trying to figure out like, she has to have some balls to like, he's like, did she see me through the window? And I was like, yeah, this woman who was making our coffee looked out the window, saw you with our baby in the SUV and decided that she should write your hot on a cup to give to your wife. That happened. And I was like, that is my phone number. He goes, he's like, you know what? That is your phone number. I'm definitely going to call it. <laughs> oh, Mike. Mike. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to be cute. He's like, you're so cute, babe. I was like, oh I'm like, it's ruined. It's ruined. Shut up. You ruined it. You're ruined. That's such a good story. <laughs> good story. I like all that. of mine and Mike's stories though. I'm like, it's just like a hit and a miss, man. But we're still here. <laughs> Honestly, that playfulness, keeping that laughter alive, oh, I think yeah. is like foundational. It is. It is the life. It is the life of our party, truly. But let's hope the no recalls. That would be fun. If um you have to come back and like still live if he does, you know. Oh. Come hang out anytime. Yeah, we're gonna need an update. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. So we do this thing. We just started doing this thing where we pull cards from a game called We're Not Really Strangers. And I don't know if you've heard of it or if you've played it before, but we love this thing. And so we've pulled a couple questions for you. And what we do is we ask you a question and we all actually answer the question also. And so the first card that I have is what question are you trying to answer most in your life right now? <laughs> What's for lunch? <laughs> Say what's for dinner so same same <laughs> adulting thinking about what's for dinner for the rest of your life what day no. is it one of the best so catchphrases of parenting it's like you spend most of your life meal planning or resetting passwords it's like oh my god I'm like, how do i i just want her to be healthy but she can't eat fucking sweet potatoes at every meal so i'm like variety like how do i give you variety and all, i'm like she's gonna turn into an avocado like we've got to do something else <laughs> Oh. Okay. So what question am I working on figuring out right now in my life? Yeah. What question are you trying to answer most in your life right now? <clears throat> what to do slash how to be, because the answer that comes up for like, what, what do I do? Like what to do is like, just be. And so really the question is like, okay, so how do I get more and increasingly comfortable in simply being? Mm. It's very nice for such a deep answer. I know. <laughs> and also, what is for dinner tomorrow night? Because yeah. it's, it's fine. It's it's fine. Tomorrow, night. tomorrow, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh my god. Joe. Oh god. What are you? What are you trying to answer? What question am I trying to answer right now? Besides, what's for lunch? <laughs> well, pizza. We covered that already. Pizza. Pizza, pizza and tissues. We're sending you a heart-shaped pizza. Who am I becoming? 
Yeah. It's pretty concise too, huh? And yeah, pretty big. Really yeah. I think I can help you answer that. Like you're becoming you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm coming home. This is the most coming home I felt like in my life, which is amazing. I would suggest you go on a world tour to promote this, but I think homecoming has already been stolen. Unfortunately, it was stolen um, by someone who is just minutely talented. And I wish that she'd just left that to someone a little more. I know. She could have left it to a different brown girl. Like, come on. Jesus. Just get to reclamation before Taylor Swift takes it. Okay. (laughs) But didn't Mama Gina, Mama Gina already took that one. No, she took pussy, which is fine. Oh, yeah. It's pussy a reclamation. That's it doesn't count if it's in the byline. Like it's yeah. which actually I'm so glad someone brought up Mama Gina because I no joke when you're talking about your book I was like I really hope that you put a little pussy juice in there because he'll definitely call if you did Mama Gina would tell you to do that she would tell you to put some pussy juice on that book I just read that part in pussy and it's so funny because a number of years ago I saw Sue Johansson who's like a sex educator um and she suggested people do that and I have done that on occasion and I did not see any like Mama Gina, I'm sorry. I think she embellishes her results. <laughs> like, oh, just a little dabble, do ya? And then like the men start like talking. Like I, I'm not. I'm not. For sure. me, it definitely takes like two fingers. Like it's not really a dab. It's more of like a more of like a good like a dollop. Oh, <laughs> Maybe that, do a dollop of like, pussy. That's Chanel behind it. No, no. I need like <laughs> sour cream amounts. I've been doing it so wrong. Damn it. And I really hate myself for using sour cream because that makes it sound like there's like a major pH balance issue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question I'm answering right now um, is not actually about vaginal. One finger or two? <laughs> three. No, I'm just <laughs> that's another story I could tell, but I'll save it for another time. Um, <clears throat> no, I think the... <laughs> I'm going to make sure we've all had a moment. Uh, the question that I am trying to answer right now, um, I think it is, and it's annoying to me because ugh, I feel like it's a question I've been asking myself mm-hmm. for a long time, like, especially since I had a child mm-hmm. is how can I do less? How can I do less and not from like a lazy standpoint, but how can I, and maybe it's all of your questions like wrapped together, but how can I do less in the sense that I am not constantly banging my head against a wall of being frustrated that I can't do as much as I want. Like I never can like in business in podcasting in mothering, like when you're trying to do all these things at the same time, like this morning was one of those mornings where I'm trying to get out the door. I'm literally podcasting from my sister-in-law's bedroom because we had a real guest on today and I didn't want James. Like she had a whole like 10 minute segment on last week's podcast. And so I was like, I would really like to be able to hear this person who I've never met before and like hold space and not be focused on that. And so my sister-in-law shout out Kelly, super love you. She's watching my kid while I'm in her room (laughs) podcasting. And so like, I'm trying to get out the door to even make that happen. And it's just one of those days where she's just like hanging on my leg and she's crying and nothing I give her is interesting or entertaining. And she has to be like on me and I'm trying to get ready. And there's so many moments where it would be easy to just be like, ah, like everybody just stop. (laughs) But I'm like, I like, how can I do less? How can I be less frantic right now? Like, what can I cut? Like, what am I trying to do before I get out of this house? It's probably not realistic. That's like making this stressed out and hard. Like 
I'm not going to get to fucking fix my hair and that's okay. Like, I'm not going to get to straighten it, even though I made the mistake of washing it last night. And now all my new ingrowns are like out, like waving at everyone. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to get to pack three more boxes before I leave. Like, there's just all this shit that we constantly feel like we're supposed to be doing or that we have to do. And when you really think about what matters and what's important, and when you think about coming at it from a place of intentionality, you're like, what can I let go of? Like, how can I just fucking do less today? So I went to a Feldenkrais yoga class a few, a couple of years ago. And it was like, <clears throat> I'd had my mastectomy or double mastectomy and I was ready to do something physical. And Feldenkrais yoga is so gentle that you basically lie on the mat. Like a woman literally fell asleep and was snoring behind me. Like it's my not kind of class. <laughs> it's not aggressive. <laughs> but I remember the instructor, and this has been on my mind so much this week. The instructor was like, do less than what you can do and it, right taking that concept of like yeah totally you can do this now do less than what you can do it's like yeah I think it's so powerful yeah which is so against the grain of like every hit class ever you know what you're doing right now do you feel that do you feel that burn do more of that <laughs> <laughs> and are you having fun <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no Yes. Like, I'm just, uh, you're, you're I'm like, not I'm really called. Sure. I'm going to lay down. I feel called. You know how you said at the beginning, like if you just need to be here on your mat, like I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to lay down and close my eyes. <laughs> you guys just step over me. Okay. <laughs> so this last question for you, Kristen, you can, you can go first. <clears throat> if you have a, if you have, when was the moment you realized you weren't invincible? You were not invincible. We're not invincible. No. You're like this morning walking out the door with a kid pulling on my leg. That's what I realized. No, actually, I think um, mine was when I was 23 and I woke mm. up from an intense night of drinking and oh. I was like, uh, the tolerance for being hungover starts way sooner than anyone remembers to tell you. Mm. Everyone's sitting around, especially if they are in their 40s. They're like, yeah, sometime around like, 30 man it just hits different and I distinctly remember because I was pissed I was like I literally am 23 years old there's no reason why my eyes should be swollen shut because I had too much tequila like what is happening right now and I just remember being so angry and also feeling like my humanity and my limits like in that moment I was like yes I'm gonna go to spend class and be judged by a nefarious queen next to me who's like did you even go to bed last night and I was like bitch not today and he was like queen we're gonna be friends I was like whatever stop talking to me like, let me sweat these toxins out because I am 23 and too old to drink now <laughs> so yeah it wasn't like a deep moment it was it was that I was like I am not invincible I cannot do whatever I cannot treat my body like garbage and expect her to show up and do stuff for me <laughs> amazing <laughs> glad I learned that early because 30s are feeling a lot better I'll tell you that <laughs> We give her a lot of grace. <laughs> oh man, how about you, Lise? Mine is a little, a little different. Hers <laughs> is gonna be deeper. It's fine. Hers <laughs> is gonna be profound and offer you some value. So go ahead, Lise. <laughs> Uh, I I remember like the feeling of feeling a lump in my breast and knowing I, I had two misdiagnoses but like knowing in your body what was happening. I remember then you know the subsequent months that followed of like holy shit we get really wrapped in this manifesting culture and like and we, that could be its whole own episode but like 
we get really caught up in that. Like you can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Your life can be whatever you want. And it's like, sometimes shit fucking happens. And we had that like puncture of my own infallibility in that moment that like, oh, right. Shit happens. And like, and life happens. And eventually that life ends. And please, Lord, do not let it end at age 36. Right. But that Mm. moment of just like, wow, 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 wow. was pretty, pretty poignant. Mm. Yeah. That was pretty deep. Yeah. It's a lot. It makes me feel like a butthole for (laughs) (laughs) trying to think. I'm like, but that hangover I had once, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of wish I didn't go first now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'd have been like, after I gave birth to my child, I realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Joe, do something to balance that out. <laughs> something in the middle, nothing too yeah. good. Okay. You know, like, there is. Be like a step. <laughs> it was probably two weeks, two weeks. It was like probably like the second week I'd moved in. And I called my partner, Chris, and I just was, I mean, I was frantic. I was pissed. I was crying. I was angry. And I was being such a teenage brat to him and not actually expressing what I needed. And he just straight up was like, you know, I can't deal with this shit right now if you're not going to tell me what you need. And so uh, whenever you figure the fuck that out, like, give me a call. (laughs) I just was like, Oh, fuck. Well, that doesn't work either. You know, like I, and, and it's so hard for me to ask, like being Filipino American and being a woman of color, like there's just so much ingrained on you in this pressure of constantly doing things yourself and not having to ask anybody for help, like my dog or the doorbell. Um, because you know, you, you're, you're seen as, Hey, come here. You're seen as like unable to do it or you're like calling for attention and so um hey go she's like mom someone is at the door (laughs) it's probably important says he's from amazon so (laughs) like leave me alone you want to verify this guy yeah and, you know, he, you know, we, we like got into this little tiff and he, it was like our, our, we don't really get into arguments very much. And so, you know, when we get, we get into tiffs, I'm like, fuck, like I really fucked up on that one. <laughs> He's like super calm. He's the best processor and best communicator ever. And he showed up at my door at 10 PM and like unexpectedly. And he was like, well, I figured there would be nothing else to calm you down except for a hug. So I'm here. And like, he was like, I know you didn't ask for it, but you were, you were just, you just were inconsolable on the phone. And in that moment, when I like collapsed in his arms, I was like, I can't do this by myself anymore. Like, I just can't. And he was like, it's two weeks. And I go, I know, but like, I've had the weight on my back for so many years. And I just, I am tired of being the pillar. And it was just that moment where I think I realized like, all right, Joe, you cannot be strong. You really can't. Like you're trying to hold it all together. You're not fucking invincible. You need somebody. And also this whole independent woman thing that we were talking about earlier and not needing like a man or like, you know, whatever that mentality. It's like, no, there's part of me that desperately longs for that so that I can surrender. So I can fall apart so that it's okay for me to just be that. So for me, it was in that moment. Hopefully that balanced a little bit of both. Um, it did no. not. That was still like deep and meaningful. I was like, I drank too much. I realized 
that one day I'm going to die. And if I, I mean, I've had like moments this, of yours I'm too. I'm going to die sooner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, do you want to hear really one? honest? Do you want to hear one where like, I mean, I really like, there was a moment for me that was recent. Yeah. Would you like to hear it? It's kind of yeah, similar to yours. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's kind of similar. <laughs> it was, it was back in November last year when I decided to like go away for a week and I took more mushrooms than I should have. <laughs> And there was a oh, moment this when you called me and you don't even remember the conversation we had. That was yeah, that's okay. probably that. I remember the house was like caving in on me because all the textures were just coming. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die for a drug overdose. And no one's here to find me. <laughs> like no one knows where I'm at. I didn't tell anybody. Oh and God. holy fuck. And I in that moment I was like, I think I'm experiencing an ego death. <laughs> like I was like, this is an ego death. This is multiple ego deaths over and over and over again for the next three hours. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a little more on par. Thanks. You're okay. Good. (laughs) I'm really glad that I can. At least not that your cancer thing wasn't good because it was. I mean, it was okay. It was okay. I'm kidding you guys. I'm kidding so much. Just in case. I don't want to get in butt her about this. I was feeling insecure because my thing wasn't as deep and meaningful as Lisa's thing. Okay. But we're over it. We're done. Oh, we all had to support it. Okay. We all had to yeah, support it. They supported me. That's Thank you for here. showing up with the mushroom story. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, I, th- I think we've all had a lot, a lot of moments of realizing I've had multiple moments of realizing that I'm not going to, that I'm not invincible. Yeah. I think that started happening. <laughs> I mean, anytime you have a major injury, anytime your body feels like it's failing you, anytime you feel like you're out of control, like every moment you're like, oh, I'm actually not running to this show right now. Just like you said that, that like, oh, sometimes shit happens and I didn't ask for it or manifest it or do anything to deserve this fucking shit that is happening. Like it's just happening. Everything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is not my karma or anything. I'm just like having a bad month slash year. It's fine. Oh my God, Elise, you are such a freaking gift. Yeah. Does anyone else feel like they've gotten a lease on life? <laughs> <laughs> I waited the whole episode. Like, do I do it? Do I not do it? I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. it. Thank you. Well, I feel so, what a pleasure to be here. And I just feel like a brand new woman having like this laugh with you. No. Not you, like with you with you. <laughs> it feels like I've gotten a lot done today just by having my like being energetically supported and present with both of you and having this very real conversation. Oh man. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh no, thank you. You are a gift and thank you for sharing everything about just, you know, yourself, your soul, your life, your experience, your knowledge and your wisdom and yeah, just thanks for thanks for showing up as you. Thank you. And if people are feeling as obsessed with you right now as we are, <laughs> how can they connect with you? What is your favorite way to be connected with? What are all of your details? Please tell us, Cher. Where do we find you on Clubhouse? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm on Clubhouse, but don't go looking for me. <laughs> it's the equivalent of my own bad trip in a Joshua tree. <laughs> Nobody knows where I am. But <laughs> um, the hub is my website, lisawilcox.ca. And it is, I've taken like six months to do it or redo it. And it's just about to launch. And it's like a fucking fine art project. Mm. It's so beautiful. So keep refreshing until it's really loaded. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'm on Instagram mostly every day at least Wilcox as well. And people can message me there. Podcast is called How to Be a Human. Mm. So poignant. Yeah. I will link all of that stuff. Thank you. We love you. 
We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you folks so much for listening. If this conversation tickled your fancy, opened your mind, or gave you permission to simply express yourself a little bit more authentically, share with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.